So hurry and happy. It's like oil and water. Uh, you know, it, it's almost impossible. I say almost, okay? It's almost impossible to be happy while in a hurry. Think about it. I mean, think about a moment this week that you were in a hurry. Maybe you don't have to think that far back. It was this morning you were in a hurry. I mean, think about this. In that moment, could you have truly been happy in that hurry state? Were you truly happy in that hurry? No, we were not happy. So we need to ask ourselves, what makes us so hurried? Now, it's my belief that we're often in a hurry because we're pursuing happiness in the wrong way. We're, we're pursuing happiness, but we're doing it in the, the wrong approach or we're pursuing it the wrong way and, and we're pursuing it for our selfish game. And see, it, it, I believe, our, it could it be that our hurried state, our hurried pace is often tied to materialism or vanity. See, our drive for happiness What's it do to us? It makes us commit more. It makes us achieve more. It makes us spend more. It makes us pursue more. It makes us do more. And a materialistic drive for happiness, if this is how we feed our happiness through this materialistic drive, we've got to recognize that this is from a mentality that the more I have, the more happy I'll be. I mean, the more money you have, the more happy you'll be. The, the better and newer, the, the fancier and nicer, the more happy you will be. See, that's materialistic drive for happiness. Now, the vanity drive, the vain drive for happiness is when our social image or our popularity or the approval of a certain group of pa- people or a parent or just a, 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 the approval of others or just our desire to achieve more because that's what we think that... It'll help other people see us better, and that's what will make us happy. That the more we're liked or seen, the more happy we'll be. The more that we do, or the will be, or the more people approve of you, the more happy you will be. See how both materialism and vanity lead to this? See, materialism and vanity we need to recognize are both broken ways to pursue happiness. They are empty wells that we keep digging in order to, in the hopes that we're going to find happiness in this empty well. Both material and vanity, however, leave us hurried in life because we, they, we are driving ourselves then to acquire more, do more, to get more of something. See, the irony is this. <laughs> the irony is that we are in a hurry to become happy. We're in a hurry to become happy. And more than likely, that's the reason you're in a hurry, because you want to be happy. You're hurried because you want to be happy. Or let me just put it this way, too. We need to recognize you're hurried because you're trying to make somebody else happy. So what do we do? We make commitments that we think will make us happy. We, we commit to buy things. We commit to go out with that person. We commit to do something, say yes to something, say yes to a new job or yes to that job opportunity, whatever it may be. Or we commit and we make commitments that we think will make other people happy. We buy into a lie that our happiness is tied to someone else's happiness. That's the lie. 
And, and I need to, that, that I need to make my spouse happy, that I need to make my kids happy. And don't get me started on that one right there. And that I need to get my, make my boss happy. I need to make my parents happy. I need to make my friends happy. And so my happiness, happiness is connected in, to their happiness. And all these people that are in our circles of life, you know what their demand will be most of the time? Is they want more from us. And we think that we then need to commit to more to make them more happy. See, our commitments to make ourselves happy or other people happy only adds more and it complicates our life more and our lives end up becoming hurried. See, we do this because we've given to the world's gospel. The gospel is good news and the good news of the world is this, that the more you have, the more happy you'll be. You ever believe that? See, this is the mentality of culture. This is the the, the drawing gravity of the world around us, that adding more income, spending more money, doing more in your life, adding more activities will make you happier or make other people happy. Then what do we do? We work more in hopes that we will have more and be more happy. We overcommit, (laughs) Because we think more activities will make our kids happy. We strive to achieve. We strive to earn. Because we want to earn someone's approval. A parent, a boss, a friend, a spouse. And when we get their approval, that will make us happy. Because they'll be happy. All of this leaves us hurried because we want to be happy or make other people happy. Which is what we think will make us happy. And like I said last week, hurrying is a self-destruct button. And there are many families, maybe even you, who are in self-destruct mode because of this reckless cycle. Now, let me be clear about something. See, being happy is not bad. You were made in God's image, in his likeness, and your desires originated. This desire, all your desires originated from God, including this desire to be happy. But we need to be clear on something. See, God made us to be happy. However, sin has broken us and disordered our desires. God made you to be happy. However, sin has broken you. Sin has cursed you and caused you to fill your desires with broken solutions that are not from God. Believing the good news of the world that the more you have will make the more happy will, you will be. The good, believing that good news of the world will only lead you to brokenness, to an empty, unhappy, and unfulfilled life. And that's not good news at all, is it? But Jesus does have good for, news for us. And more on that in a moment. My name is Casey. And to all of the ladies in the room, happy Mother's Day. And, and to my wife, who is on our online church, I am so grateful for you. I love what Proverbs 31 says uh, about women, especially, I, I, I think this is my wife, and I'm so grateful for her, that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, and we are to honor all that they have done. And so may today, baby, I hope you feel, feel honored, and all our ladies in the room, I feel, hope that you feel honored for all that you do for your families and your people. Let's go ahead and give them a hand. Thank you. Yeah. 
Now, for those of you that are new with us, whether you're new in the room or you're new with us online, we're so grateful to be together with you. If you're new with us in the room, we have a gift for you. And right after today's service, if you'll make your way through the lobby and go into our welcome center, a host would be there. And they would love to give you a gift for being with us today. And we'd love to share four things with you in less than four minutes. And so please make your way over there. If you're new with us online, they're posting a link to a Connect card. If you'll click that, fill that out, uh, it'll inform us. And we'd love to send you a gift for being with us us today. And now Westside, will you help me welcome everyone that's watching online and let everyone that's new with us in the room know how grateful we are to share this day with them. Will you do that with me? Yeah. So today we finished this series called Waste the Haste. And here's been the series big idea that we've been talking about over the last several weeks. Waste the haste. Learn Jesus unforced rhythms of life. Learn his unforced rhythms of life. And this is what we've been doing. We've been learning to adopt the way of life that Jesus lived so we can experience the life that Jesus gives. This is why we gave you the Waste of the Haste Challenge. And that Waste of the Haste Challenge has been this, it's something that we, it, we may end the series today, but we want you to keep on doing this. In fact, I believe this is a rhythm of life that needs to govern our life. And, and, and it, it, it helps us experience the life that Jesus has. And, and, and this is how we make God a natural part of our life, just like breathing is a natural part of our life. That's why the Waste of the Haste Challenge is this challenge to breathe. It's to breathe God into our daily rhythms and our weekly rhythms and to breathe God out. And here's how we've been doing that. Daily, read and pray scripture. Read and pray scripture weekly. Have a, you're going to Sabbath with the body of Christ. This is why you're here today. You're Sabbathing with the body of Christ. You're like, no, I came because my mom invited me. Well, yeah, you're here because your mom invited you. But now you're embracing this rhythm of life to weekly Sabbath with the body of Christ. And then it's another weekly to have a meaningful face-to-face conversation with a friend or group of friends. This is how we center our lives on Christ together in community. And when you came in, there was a little bookmark, a two-sided bookmark that's look, that was on your seat. And this is a tool to help you practice what we talked about last week, practicing silence and solitude. And on that one side is the, um, the, the four things that we talked about last week to, to, to practice this. You can put this in your Bible. And on the other side is the invitation that Jesus gives us that we're going to end today with uh, reminding ourselves about that. Now, today we're going to tackle a difficult practice, a very difficult practice. In fact, one that flies in the face of your pace of life. It flies in the face of your pace. And in this, today's practice, it's about embracing simplicity and slowing down. See, for many of us, our lives are pedal to the metal. We, we are so fast-paced that life is very complicated. I mean, how much of our time, is, for us as parents, I mean, how much of our time is just trying to figure out how we're going to get everybody everywhere we've committed to go? I mean, we, we spend so much time trying to figure this out. We need other people to help us figure this out, too. And, and, and see, life is complicated. And the reality is it's become more complicated the faster that our world has become, the more integrated our world has become. Life has become more complicated. See, the world is not as simple as it used to be. And in all of this, we need to know something. And this is for those of us who are Christ followers in the room. See, as Christ followers, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. 
We, we do not fix our eyes on how the world lives at their pace. We do not fix our eyes on what the world wants or the demands that the world gives. We fix our eyes on Jesus. See, our eyes are not fixed on the patterns of this world, but our eyes are fixed on the pattern that Jesus modeled for us. And Jesus lived a simple life. Jesus modeled a life of simplicity. He embraced simplicity. See, Jesus did not allow his life to get complicated. I mean, if anybody had a complicated life, that had the opportunity to have a complicated life, it would be the Son of God breaking into our humanity. But he didn't allow life to get complicated. He, and as you read the Gospels, you're going to see Jesus embracing simplicity, a way of life that's against the pace of our life. You'll see Jesus, how he lived modestly, and that might even be an understatement. I mean, he was born into what we, many of us, would call poverty. And he would even live this life that was very modest. I mean, look at what Matthew 8, 19 says. This is a teacher of the law, a lawyer, or a Pharisee comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. In other words, I want to follow your way of life. I mean, you seem to have it down. And Jesus says, Okay, you want to follow my way of life? He replies, Foxes have dens. In other words, they have homes. He goes, Birds have nests. They have homes. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus did not have a home. I mean, Jesus had no mortgage. He had no rent payment. And for some of us, that is like a dream. (laughs) Now, don't think that because Jesus didn't have these things, that Jesus doesn't understand you in today's age. See, Jesus fully understands you and I. However, Jesus lived this way to model that our lives are not to be driven by these things that drive many people's lives. See, Jesus would teach his disciples that they should not allow these things to complicate their lives. He wanted them to learn that life was more than things. I mean, this is what he would teach. And there, 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 there is a simple way to life to where it doesn't complicate your life by giving into the demands of this life. And in Mark 8, we, we see Jesus uh, really giving his disciples this first way to model this and live this out and test this way of life. Um, as he's equipped the 12, he sends them out on their first missionary journey. And listen to how he sends them out. These were his instructions take nothing except a staff. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. Actually, he's going to tell them two things to take a staff and sandals, because it's a long journey. He goes, take nothing for your, the journey except the staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. The fanny pack was a real thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what we call that anymore, do we? Okay. Um, he goes, wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. I mean, look at the simplicity. How, how Jesus would, he would teach this. But he not just taught it, he modeled this. He, he said, you don't need more. You need what you already have. And can take with you. Now here's, I think, the main reason Jesus was equipping his disciples for this moment. See, this made the disciples, enabling the disciples, to be flexible to obey and go at God's will. See, the life Jesus lived was also that flexibility. Through that simplicity. It was a life devoted to serving God his Father and not serving the demand for more. 
See, Jesus didn't serve the demand for more. In fact, he taught against that demand for more. Jesus taught that life is simply serving God who abundantly provides, not pursuing abundance. That's what life is about. Now, if you and I were to assess our life, if we were to look at our calendar, our, 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 our statements online, if, if we were to reflect on our life and assess this, would your life assessment reflect that you are serving God or would it reflect that you're pursuing abundance? That's a hard question, isn't it? That's difficult for me. See, Jesus would teach what he lived And he would say that no one can serve two masters. He would say this in Matthew 6. He would say no one can serve two masters. You To be devoted to one master means that you have to turn your back on anything or anyone else being a master. And then he said this. You cannot serve both God and money. In in this Greek word here for money is actually mammon, which means wealth. Or the acquisition of more. And in our day and age, you can't get more without money, right? So I think money is a great translation for our, uh, our, our westernized world that we live in. See, without money, you cannot acquire more. But Jesus says you cannot serve the abundance of more, the acquisition of more. You cannot serve money, wealth and abundance, and serve God. Not my words, Jesus' words. So does my life, does your life reflect that you are serving abundance or wealth or money? Or does it reflect that you're serving God? Do the choices you make, what do they, what do they reflect? How do you make your decisions? What do they reflect? See, Jesus would warn us to guard ourselves against serving wealth or abundance. And he would warn us this way. He would say, watch out! He would say, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. See, there's not just one kind of greed, there are many kinds of greed. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So we need to realize something out of this. Jesus said greed comes in many forms. There's, it, it, there, there, we need to guard ourselves against all kinds. There's many kinds of greed. And in all those kinds of greed, there is one common denominator. And it's this drive and desire for more, this abundance. So watch out. To follow Jesus means to watch out, to guard yourself, guard your heart against greed. See, life is more than acquiring more. And your life will become more complicated when you let your guard down against greed. In fact, maybe that's the reason your life is so complicated. Because a form of greed has popped in and you didn't watch out. It's complicated your life and you've given into this desire to have an abundance of more. So guard yourself against all kinds of greed because greed is what causes you to hurry. Then the more you desire the more you'll commit to do. The the, the more you want more of, the more you'll commit to do, and the more you'll end up doing, and the more complicated and the more hurried you become. So we need to do what Jesus said and, and watch out and do what Jesus did. He constantly modeled this. 
And not only that, we need to resist, and we need, not only did Jesus resist this demand for more, Jesus also resisted the demand to hurry. He didn't give in to his greed or the greed that might have been present in his life because he took on our full humanity. He was tempted to be greedy just like you were tempted to be greedy for more. He didn't give in to that demand. Or Jesus didn't give in to the demands of other people that other people would project on Jesus. See, Jesus resisted the demand to hurry. We read this in several narratives, in several stories, and through the narratives of the the Gospels. And one of my favorite times is when Mary and and Martha, two sisters, have a brother named Lazarus. Lazarus, he was a good friend of Jesus, and he is dying. And so they send a messenger to Jesus, knowing that he is about to die, hoping that Jesus will hurry and get there, because Jesus had the power to raise the dead. They've seen this, so why wouldn't he do it for someone he loves? Jesus could get there. And he could have gotten there within a couple days. But he didn't get there for three days. Because he would not give in to the demand to be hurried. He would not give in to other people's demands. He was not in a hurry, nor would he be hurried by anyone. The disciples wanted the kingdom to come. He wanted Jesus to establish. No, I'm not, it's not my time yet. You're not going to put that demand on me. So how do we eliminate hurry? How do we follow Jesus in this? Well, I believe it is in simplifying and slowing down. Now, this is a difficult choice that goes against the pace of our culture. It goes against the good news that our culture preaches and shoves down our throat and the media plasters this everywhere. And I just tell you right now, I cannot tell you what it means for you to simplify and slow down. That's very subjective. It's not like this one size fits all for all of us. But I can give you two principles that are based on, two practices that are based on two principles that I want to share with you today to simplify and slow down. And those two practices are self-discipline and self-control. You and I need self-discipline and self-control more than we've ever needed it before. See, you need self-discipline and you need self-control to resist hurry. And you need self-discipline and self-control to to guard yourself against the root of hurry, this greed, all kinds of greed, the demand that that you have for more and the demands that other people are going to put on you and want from you. And you need to have self-discipline and self-control. These are key. Both are key to eliminating hurry. Now, these two are not the same. They're close cousins to each other, but two different practices that we need to embrace in order to resist greed and resist hurry. They're also, and here's the good news, they are gifts given to Christ followers who have put their trust in Jesus. And because the Holy Spirit is alive inside of us, the Holy Spirit is the source of the self-discipline that you so desperately need and the self-control. He's the source of these two gifts. The Holy Spirit gave these gifts to Jesus and he is wanting to give you these and he wants you to receive these in their full as well. But we need to understand not only what the difference is of self-discipline and self-control. We need to know then, because that'll help us understand how to use self-discipline and when to use self-control. 
See, here is how I can simply tell you the difference. Self-discipline is saying yes to the right things. And self-control is saying no to the wrong things. Self-discipline is knowing who or what you're saying yes to. While self-control is knowing what you are saying no to. Self-discipline leads into self-control because knowing who you're saying yes to will help you identify what you need to say no to. Now, the problem for many of us is in our hurried life is, is, is that we have got to this place of hurry. We have got to this place where it's super complicated because we have said yes to everything and we've said yes to everyone. And the reason is, is because we have not identified the one main priority that we are saying yes to. And here's the practice that I hope that you begin to con- and, and, and continue after today. And here's the teaching big idea. Simplify and slow down by identifying to whom you are saying yes so you can discern to what you say no. You need to identify to whom are you going to say yes because that's going to lead you to discern to what you say no. And more than ever, we need self-control and self-discipline in order that we can Push against the pace of this world. Not give in to its pattern. Be renewed by the transforming of our minds so we can experience the life that Jesus wants for us as we simplify and slow down. See, we need to identify who we are saying yes to because that enables us to know what we need to say no to. There is an ultimate who that you are saying yes to. And, and they're all your yeses, and let me just encourage you this, all your yeses need to be filtered through, the, I, I, through a, a who. That's what your yes needs to be too. You want to make better decisions in life? Put all your yeses and think about who am I saying yes to by saying yes to this. And then your no's in life will come to what's in life. <laughs> See, it's easy to say no Because you said yes to who? And only when we identify who we're saying yes to can we know what to say no to. But that gets complicated. It gets complicated because the world plays to our disordered desires and the world preaches the gospel that the more you have, the more happy you'll be. And that gospel includes that you need to ignore self-discipline and self-control because self-discipline and self-control, they don't lead to happiness. I mean, think about this. Culture, the world, the, 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 the gravity of this world around us, everything that you are bombarded with, it tempts you to ignore self-discipline and ignore self-control with a promise that you can have happiness now. It, the culture says ignoring self-discipline and self-control will make you relationally happy. You know, you can say yes to everyone and you're going to have great relationships. You'll be happy because of that. It'll say, hey, you want to be sexually happy? Well, then you need to ignore the, the scriptural pathway to that. That Because that, anything outside, the scripture says anything that's outside of your spouse, any sexual activity outside of your spouse destroys God's house. And ignore that self-discipline because you've, or the self-control because you've ignored saying yes to Jesus. And you can, be, you can include anything you want. And then we financially happy. You know, you don't need to put Jesus first in your life with your finances. Do put, say yes to everything else. Put other things there. 
And then physically. I mean, if we don't put God first in our life, taking care of this, if we don't say yes to loving Him and loving ourselves, and physically we get out of control and it gets complicated. See, the world's promise, it, 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 the gospel is a promise to deliver happiness and gratification now. But that's not what Jesus' gospel is. His gospel is a gra- that gratification comes through believing his good news and following his way of life. And his Holy Spirit gives us the self-discipline to say yes to Jesus and the self-control to say no to the things that lead us so we can watch out and guard ourselves against all kinds of greed so that we can enjoy God forever and eternity and eternally be gratified. See, the world's playbook ends somewhere that we do not want to go. And not just hell and separation from God by giving into our our selfish cravings and our desires. But not saying yes to Jesus and giving into the world's playbook to be happy leads to misery in this life, despair in this life, and agony on me in this life. So how do we simplify and slow down to have the joy of life from Jesus? Well, we first need self-discipline. And that is self-discipline is the result of knowing who you are saying yes to. And as Christ followers, our yes is always to Jesus and following him. That is our number one yes. We will honor you in everything we think, say, and do. And this is what it means for Jesus to be Lord. See, this is the confession that leads to salvation. You cannot be saved unless Jesus is Lord. See, when we say yes to Jesus, making him the priority of our life, all other the priorities are going to fall into place because Jesus is in the right place on the throne of our life. And when Jesus is on the throne of my life and he's priority in my life, then my spouse is going to come in the right order. Then the kids are going to come under my spouse and they're going to know that my, that my relationship with my wife is more important than, than their happiness and comfort. And, and that then uh, after that, then, then your work, your church, your colleagues, your friends, and everyone else are going to fall into the place when Jesus is Lord. But when you dethrone Jesus, that's when life gets complicated. That's when life, it, when he's not Lord and on the throne of your life, then you're going to say yes to the things that the world wants you to say yes and to the people. See, the world wants you to say yes to anything or anyone other than Jesus. It wants you to. It wants you to be Lord and follow whatever way you want to live. Now, for our family, saying yes to Jesus, and each, and it, 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 this is a priority in our home. And that means we say no to a lot of things. I say no to a lot of invitations because I've said yes to Jesus. And because I've said yes to Jesus, I know that my family is a priority and I say no to things. There are things that we will not let our kids participate in because we've said yes to Jesus. There are certain types of sports that have a demand of schedule that we say no to. And it's not because I have a job that demands Sunday. It's because we have chosen to follow Jesus. And we know that this is an important way of life for us. And this is what the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do. It gives us the ability to say, have the self-discipline to say yes. See, this, this is what Timothy was told by Paul. Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, the Spirit of God gave us, the, 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 for the Spirit that God gave us, think about this, the Spirit God gave you, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid. 
but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The Holy Spirit that God gave you because you put your trust in Jesus gives you self-discipline. And self-discipline is saying yes to who you need to say yes to. That is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And this comes as you foster that relationship with Jesus. This is why your daily prayer time, that daily solitude, that daily reading scripture and praying scripture is so powerful because that's you're saying yes to Jesus. And it gives you the power to continually say yes to him. Now let me just interject this quickly. Saying yes to God does not mean ignoring what you need. But we must identify between our needs and our wants and our comforts, okay? See, I need shelter, but it may mean that I don't need uh, the shelter that I want (laughs) or I feel comfortable in. And that's hard to, to swallow during times. I need food, but I don't need to be a picky eater. I, I need these things, but, my, but, but, but God wants us to take care of our da- daily needs, and he does. But we need to identify between our needs. I need to identify between my need and a comfort because God takes care of my needs. And our, the American gospel is God will take care of your comforts. So self-discipline is saying yes to the right who. Jesus is who we say yes to. And then self-control is a result of knowing what to say no to. See, when we identify who we are saying yes to, this comes easy. We'll easily, more easily identify what we need to say no to because it takes self-control to say no. See, self-control, it takes self-control to say no. And, and, and this is also the produce of the Holy Spirit living in your life. Look what Galatians 5 says. As we keep in step with the Spirit, Paul says this, this fruit or this outpouring will be in you. But the fruit of the Spirit, he says, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is also patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Knowing what to say no to. See, it takes self-control. All of these fruit are not just for you. See, fruit is not to just be enjoyed by you. Fruit is to impact those around you. Think about this. See, self-control is not just for you. See, your self-control impacts the people that are closest to you. See, it takes self-control in our life. And self-control is control. It's the control to tell ourselves no. And we live in a culture that preaches, tell yourself yes. But that's not the way of Jesus, is it? See, we need to learn to say no. See, because it takes self-control to to say no to clicking that link that we know we shouldn't click. It takes self-control to say no to buying that item that we really don't need, but our want and our abundance for more that craves us and compels us to. It takes self-control to say no to that extra plate. It says it takes self-control to say no to that temptation. It takes self-control to say no to something that will potentially hurt you or hurt someone that is close to you. And ultimately, self-control is this, saying no to your greed. It's saying no to your demand for more. See, Jesus modeled this all the way to the cross. And he teaches you and I and invites you into his way of life, into a life 
that would follow him. In fact, he would say these very words differently. He would say, you want to say yes to me? Yes, I want you to say yes to me because because this is the way that leads to life. Say yes to me. But that means you're going to have to learn to say no. These are his words. This is how he says it. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to say yes to me, must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, whoever says no to all these things because you've said yes to me, will save it. For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world? To gain so much more? What good is it for you to have more in your life? What good is it for you to have all the abundance of possessions? And yet lose or forfeit your very self. Can I ask you today, what good is it for you? What good is it to, for you to pursue happiness the, world, the way the world wants you to pursue happiness and lose and forfeit your soul? Why don't we trust in Jesus' way to happiness, to the life that is abundant, to the life that is fulfilling? Why do we ignore him in the voice and the noise of this world? Could it be? Because we haven't said yes and kept our eyes fixed on him. See, the way of Jesus is the only way to happiness and true life. And to say yes to him means that's a self-discipline you're going to have to say yes to. And it takes self-control then to deny yourself. To say no to yourself. To die to yourself daily. And follow. And that's what Jesus invites you and I to do. See, Jesus wants you to say yes to him and he's going to give you the self-discipline to do that through the Spirit. And he'll give you the self-control to say no. See, you can simplify and slow down by identifying to whom you're going to say yes, by identifying Jesus as your yes. So you can discern to what you need to say no. And when you accept that invitation, this is where it leads. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my way of life. Take it upon you. Learn from me. He begs you, learn from me. It's an invitation as much as it is a command. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Today, we're going to receive communion. It's a reminder. It's a reminder of the way that Jesus lived to show us God's love. And it's a reminder of how we can follow him to experience his life. And I'm going to ask you, will you stand with me right now? And I'm going to release you, and when you're going to exit out of your left, come down, you're going to grab a communion, and I want you to hold on to this. And as you come down, this is what I want you to do. Will you pray this prayer? Father, I repent of, and you fill in the blank. 
I repent of being hurried. I, I repent of my greed and all the forms of greed that has taken over my life. I repent that, Jesus, you haven't been on the throne of my life. Maybe that's what you need to repent of today. Maybe you need to repent because you've never put Jesus on the throne of your life. And today you need to say, Jesus, my life is so out of control. I need you to be in the throne of my life because I need your life. I need eternal life. And you might need to make that step today. And then I want you to pray as you come down. Give me the courage to say yes to Jesus so I can say no to hurry. And then we're going to hold on to these and we're going to take them. And will you pray this as we sing this song and come get this? So exit, begin to exit. Come grab your elements and hold on to them, please.